nearby because what you're going to do is put this tree right down so the branches then... touch the sand. So you've got to chuck it in. So mm -hmm. nearby. Okay. Not too far away because you're going to rake it back in with your feet. Right. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Alright. Stop recording, start digging. I'm Hazel, welcome to the Porty Podcast. This is the sound of me digging a massive hole on the beach in Musselburgh to bury a Christmas tree in the sand. So these are cut trees with no roots, the kind that people in Porty discuss each year. Should we be burning them in a big bonfire or should we be letting the council collect them to make them into wood chips? Well, this year, a few folk on Porty People Facebook page suggested another option. The Musselburgh Flood Protection Action Group organised an event to encourage natural flood defences. I went along and I met Grant Buchanan, who was digging the hole beside Mike. Did you bring a Christmas tree today? Uh, yes, three Christmas trees, so picked up a couple from family and uh, brought our own one as well. I, I suppose when we first heard what was going on about potentially a concrete wall two miles long being put along our, our lovely beachfront, we started to look at nature-based solutions to see if there was an alternative. So really it grew from there, from the public consultation, which was really just a demonstration of how they were going to spend a, a lot of uh, public money. And so we took it upon ourselves to, to try and investigate an alternative and, as I say, a, a better alternative for the, the community and for, for the environment. Grant wasn't the only one disappointed with the consultation process. Here's Roger. Give the community a voice. Listen to them. Consultation is a two-way process, not of being talked at. What we've got here this morning is the community walking with its feet. You know, it's a, the weather forecast was terrible, it's a cold, blustery day, and look how many people are here actively doing things, you know. It, that's terrific enthusiasm. And if we can engender that, you know, Fisher Road, Joppa, Portobello, all working together, fantastic, eh? I'm Roger Crofts. I live in Esside West uh, on the side of the river and have done for nearly nine years. Came here with my wife, who's a Musselburgh lass. I'm a geographer, geomorphologist, and my last job was to be the founder chief executive of Scottish Natural Heritage. So I've spent most of my career working with, alongside and with experts on nature, on economic development, uh, so I'm fascinated by what solutions we should have for the future, which are not the same as the traditional ones of the past. When I started hearing conversations about sand dunes as flood defences, I imagined some massive mounds of sand blocking the view, a completely different landscape. But the way that we were digging trees in was really modest, just extending the edge of what is already there. This is more like you get really, you know, in the Hebrides, although it's a different sort of sand. So we're not talking about huge, great sand dune ridges and four dunes and grey dunes behind and then a sand plain. I mean, you get that at, you know, between from St Andrews to the mouth of the Tay. That's a classic system, and north of Aberdeen. I mean, what we're saying here is we know that sand is moving in and out. You can see it, the difference between a spring tide and a neap tide, bringing the sand in and out. I mean, at the moment, you know, it's quite steep at the top of the beach here, so the sand has been brought in, which is good at this time of year. Um, so it's not trying to build a huge, great sand dune here. You know, how can we 
help nature to stabilize this edge. And to me, bringing some sand from offshore, pumping it in here, would help. I mean, it's had a great effect at Porty. Yeah, okay, I know you've got a wall there and groins, but that's a different situation to here anyway, because you didn't have the little dune and the properties are right by the beach anyway. So we wouldn't want to mimic that here. We wouldn't want a seawall along the edge of the coast, which is what the consultant first said to me when we started to talk about this, because the sun would just disappear off. And yours only doesn't disappear off because we've got the groins, which help as a retention solution. We've known that as well for a long time. I asked Shona McIntosh, member of the Musselburgh Flood Protection Action Group and convener of the East Lothian Green Party, to explain the problem with walls. So you've got problems both immediately in front of the wall, is that the way it affects the wave power and the tide coming up will increase erosion immediately in front of it. So you build a wall on a struggling beach, you're going to lose your beach eventually, much more quickly than you might otherwise. And it also increases erosion further up because it changes the force of the waves, which again creates more more force on either side of the wall. So if we build a wall here in Musselburgh, then Portobello and Pesterplans are both going to be at risk of increased erosion and probably right, right in front of the wall as well. And this morning I heard you talk about the fact that the path was saved during Storm Arwen in this particular area where you've been building up the sand dunes. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, so well, Storm Arwen was quite peculiar because there was no rain <laughs> and it was not a very high tide, but there was a really strong north wind and it did bring, it did push the waves further up than they would normally go at that time of year. So what we noticed, we've got footage actually, the harbour wall was overtopped and there was water over on the other side, which then gathered under the wall. The same thing happened down at the Kikenzie Sea Lagoon We've got photos of the path flooded, and that was that was definitely seawater because there wasn't any rain here, and our path stayed dry behind the dunes because there was the the gradation up the beach and the dunes breaking the force of the waves. There was nothing. If you've got a concrete wall, the waves just bash against it and over it. And so is this about saving paths from flooding or is it about saving property? So the beauty of nature-based solutions is that you take the actions to protect the ecosystem and then you have a knock-on benefit for all of society. For Your problem is increasing sea levels, so obviously that has impact on nature and people and property. Uh, and if you can protect nature to protect all of those things, then you're winning on all the fronts. Amazing. Why would you not do that? I know. <laughs> it's so windy. I'm getting a load of wind in my microphone. So. Back to Roger in a slightly less windy moment. What they're doing is mimicking nature, you see. If you get a a flood on the river, it brings down a lot of trees and, and branches, and then a high tide brings it into the coast, and it dumps it along what we call the drift line. And nature then piles sand on that. We've known that for decades and decades. So we're mimicking nature. And I think this is one of the most fundamental things that we ought to be doing in the future, learning from it, mimicking it, and it's what is now internationally called nature-based solutions. There's a huge movement internationally led by the International Union for Nature Conservation, which is an organisation of government, state agencies and NGOs, 1,200 organisations, and they have laid out some guidelines as to how to do this. So why don't we take a a lesson from that framework and also what's been happening around the world? Internationally, we have got to get the fix on global temperature rise, no doubt. What we can do here is to say, well, what's the issue? On the river, 
it's trying to slow down the amount of water coming down in a space. So can it be held within the catchment? And there are lots of things we can do. We can block the drains that were government-funded decades ago that are not needed anymore. We can plant millions of trees in the Moorfoot and the Pentland Hills, which are the headwaters, respectively, of the South and North Esks. There's government planting schemes for this. It captures carbon. It improves biodiversity. Whoa, wow, that's good, isn't it? Because they're two global crises which we should be doing something about in Scotland and which the Scottish government wants to do something about. But that's not part of this flood protection scheme here in Musselburgh, you know? There's a disjunct between what we could be doing and if we connect all the pieces of this jigsaw of improving the way we use the land, the way we capture carbon, the way we store water, the way we produce food and fibre from the land and also reduce the cost of flood protection. We've still got to have some flood protection in Musselburgh and along the coast that maybe uses the traditional engineering techniques. All I would say, having talked to lots of experts, so I'm just a mouthpiece, if you like, for people who really know what they're talking about, is, is that we can help the situation, reduce cost to the public purse, which is a good thing, and create something that my grandchildren will say, wow, Papa, that was just super, wasn't it? The people of Musselburgh should be proud of it. And how joined up is the thinking between sort of Portobello, Seafield, the development and along to Musselburgh? Because they're all going to affect each other, aren't they? I know that the experts at Glasgow University and the Dynamic Coast team have been talking there. We're hoping they will come and talk to us here as well. Because we have known for a long time that you look at coasts in terms of a natural unit, what we call a coastal cell. What you do in one place can have a positive or a negative effect just along the coastline. And it would be ridiculous if something happened at Porty that was disadvantageous here and vice versa. You know, there's a long-standing argument. My late father-in-law used to say, you know, when they did the beach nourishment scheme at Porty, they pinched all the sand off Musselburgh. The fact of the matter is there's plenty of sand out there beyond the delta of the S. What are the natural solutions that can help? As far as I know, Portobello doesn't have a flood protection action group or similar at the moment. But at the Porty Podcast, we're always happy to connect people up. So if you're interested in this conversation or you have an idea to share here, do get in touch with us at the Porty Podcast at gmail.com.